after recording this episode, we realized that there was a little bit of an oversight and we forgot to tell all of our listeners that we would be recording a live food safety talk at IAFP uh, at the annual meeting in Pittsburgh on Monday, August 1st at 1 p.m. Eastern time in room 331 of the conference center. So please come and take food safety talk in live. You're you're on mute. Hello. There you are. You're you're not on mute now. Huh? You were on mute and now you're not oh, on mute. Oh no, I, and the reason the reason why I was on mute is I forgot to plug my microphone in. <laughs> so it go? it's now plugged it's now plugged in. My headphones are good. Yeah, you're here. We're 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 doing it. This is uh, this is food. This is food safety talk. We're what's happening? It's uh, it's we're, here. We're here. We're not queer. And what's what's I, the next? I don't know. We're I think we're, we're upset. Here to talk. Um, let's see. We're here. We're not queer and make well, food safe. I don't know. And we <laughs> we're gonna have to workshop that. Right. And we're allies. That, that we're that's allies. Yeah. We're, yes. Yeah, we're here we're queer, and that's that. That would yeah, we're here we're queer allies. Yeah, we're we're gonna. If anybody knows how to make that better, let Is us it, know. Yeah, that could like be our, our new opening tagline. Yeah, a good a good chat for us or something. <laughs> yeah, um, or chant, not chat. Hey, or so, chat, or yeah. chat. <laughs> I'm so I'm trying something different right now. Are you? Yes. Are you wearing are, pants? Uh, no, that <laughs> I am not. <laughs> You is is uh, it, no, I'm not. I'm not I'm, okay. So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Um, in you, you, uh, you there. You use a a, a Macintosh uh, computer, computing machine, correct? Macintosh personal computer. Yes. Yes. Um, with in in the general settings, do you use the light appearance or the dark appearance? For for all of oh, your computing man. needs, or do you use auto? Where um, I believe with the with with the changing of the lunar landscape, um, when, when it gets night out, it it goes from light to dark. What's your what's your preference? We've never ever talked about this, and and it's such a personal no. thing, right? Because we we don't look at each other's computers. Like I would never even know. I my my computer is my computer. I don't want people messing with my with my stuff so what do you what yeah, are you even use? looking at it to be no. honest yeah exactly um, it's, a, it's a very good question on on the mac i uh always just use the the light mode yep and on my phone i use auto and and on my ipad i think i use the i think i i use the light mode but only because i haven't thought about switching it to auto i find I find it a little distracting um, on the computer to use it. I do, I do use that other setting though on my computer to make it more warm in the evening. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The blue blue light called. Yeah, no blue light or whatever. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, I I do yeah, that. I use I do use that setting, but but I but I I'll always leave it in light mode. Okay, so I have always use light mode for for everything over the last i don't know couple of months i have started using dark mode every once in a while when i'm in bed 
and I'm reading my my Kindle or I'm reading news. Um, you know, you're not supposed to do that, right? No, no screens, no screens in the bed. But I'm a I'm a big I'm a big screen in the bed kind of guy. And um I it's not like Danny, who 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 my roommate whom I share a bed with, she has never mentioned it. But I feel sometimes like when I'm looking at my iPad and she is attempting to sleep, there is a big blast of light that's coming. It's, it, I mean, it's directing at me, but, but I, so I've, I've started using dark mode. Anyway, the reason why I ask is today is the first time I have used ever used dark mode on my Mac, my MacBook personal um, computing machine, not my Mac, my, my, uh, my iMac personal commuting machine. Um, and it's because I did an interview last night on the zoom um, and I want, it's something I want to talk about. I'm going to tell you the questions cause it's, it's in our, it's stuff that's happening. Um, but I want, I, I, I was wearing my glasses cause I wear, cause I wear, I wear eyeglasses now. And even though I have the anti-reflectivity spray, right. Anti-reflective, I still get a lot of like screen reflections. I think it probably has to do with the angle of my face or something or the angle of the screen. Anyway, I found last night, I was like, oh, there's a, you know, what I'm seeing is um, the, the, the zoom screen and all of the white. So I turned everything to dark and then I had a much better, way, way less reflection in my, in my glasses for the, for this thing that I did. And then I, you know, left my computer. That was at like, I don't know, seven o'clock last night. Um, I used my iPad and my, and my uh, laptop the rest of the day. And then I came back up to uh, record the podcast today and everything's still in dark mode. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it for at least the next 20 minutes as we, as we do what we do of, of um, Googling things on the internet and, and talking about them here on, on food safety talk. But I, it's, it's a different like feel. It's very futuristic or something like it's not the color that, that it, that, that appears is like somewhere in between like gray chocolate and purple for all the windows like it's not black it's a different it's a different hue of dark and some of my emails are white text with that black background but some of the emails that come in which is kind of distracting are white background and i think it's those that have like um signatures that have like html they're written in in you know to to pull an image or put something fancy in it and the ones that are in all text are just like black, which is much actually nicer to, to read. I know this is not what people come here for, but I'm, I'm finding it very interesting today to look at this. You, you there with your with your microphone. I'm on, on mute. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, I, um, yeah, so I, sorry, the dog was barking. No, it's all right. And I got looking at other windows. So yeah, so the 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 one thing I do use is called night shift. Right? Yes, that's and a thing that yeah. we're talking about is called dark mode, and we'll link to both of those pages. Um, if I use my computer at night more, I might in investigate that. But basically, by the time it, by the time it gets to be night and the sun goes down, um, I'm usually at that point on my phone if I if I'm using a device or maybe uh, maybe my iPad. Sort of my my standard day, if I have anything like a standard day, at some point I'll just be done with the computer and I'll want to review a manuscript or do something else and I'll move to my chair in my office away from my treadmill desk and my kneeling kneeling chair. Um, and I'll just go sit in the comfy chair in my office and get the iPad out and, and review a manuscript. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, so I don't use uh, I don't use uh, night mode or dark dark mode um, on on my Mac. If if I, I did I did play with it, and you can tweak it a little bit. Like you can you can change you can change what those highlights are. But yeah, really, it's, it's interesting about the the email and and I, i've also had that experience so one while we're talking about email tips which again is why people come to this podcast yeah, yeah. one thing that i've been, been playing around with a lot which i real i shouldn't say this um but i really i don't i don't know if there's anybody that's been the, the recipient of this that might listen but um if you have to send a message to a, a bunch of people and but you don't want to BCC everybody, and and you do want it to sort of be personalized. I have been playing around with mail merge um, uh, using Word, Microsoft Word, and you can mail merge stuff to emails. Um, but and this is how it relates to to the point is email to me email is a text communication message, right? Yes, and I really. Yes. I don't, I don't like people with long signatures. I don't like people that write, sorry, um, Keith, I don't like people um, who write with color, you know, lots of colors in their email. I might occasionally bold something, but I really, even that just gives me discomfort. Email is a text communication message and it should all be text. But if you want to send a mail merge email to someone and you want it to not appear as far as I haven't played around with this too much, but if you want it to not appear as a complete block of text, you have to send the email using HTML formatting um, instead of as text. Because if you, if you write something out in Word with like line breaks and, and paragraph breaks and, and all of that, and then you send it as text, it just takes, it strips all that out and just sends a big block of text, which I don't, I don't like to do when I send somebody an email, right? I don't want to give them, I want to say like, okay, here's, here's a, the main sentence, which usually says something like, I would really appreciate a response to this message by Friday, <laughs> you know, because that's what you want to tell them at the beginning. Um, there's, and again, we'll link to, as we many times, we'll link to an amazing post on 43 folders about how, what, how to send good email. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, and, and I, but I've noticed when, when the messages come back to me, because I send it as HTML, it comes back to me as HTML. And even though I sent the message using a sans serif font, for some reason, the default for at least the, the, the two line and the subject line is all a, a serif font, which is weird. And that's weird. And I noticed yeah. that because I have a, again, this is all about tips and tricks today's kids. Um, I have a, I believe it is a keyboard maestro shortcut where I can just, in sending a response to a message, I just type DFN comma, and it basically finds the person's first name in their, in their header and says first name comma, and then two lines. So I can just with a, with a very short thing, I can immediately address them by their first name as they, as they have written it in their email. But because it comes back with a serif font, now my message is gonna be all serif which I don't like, right? I, uh, so then I've got to cut and paste as plain text. Anyway, this is, we've got way too deep in the email weeds this early in the podcast, okay. but, but yeah. yeah, these are, these are things that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I, so um, I, I I'm, I'm glad you're, we're talking about this actually, because I use my watch increasingly as a place where I will read and delete emails, especially if I'm doing something um, well, a couple of things. If I happen to be in a meeting 
or in a social event where I feel really bad about picking up my phone or lo losing the um, time and attention, if I can just like quickly look at something on my watch and swipe and swipe and swipe um, to get rid of stuff, uh, or or like I'm I'm certainly not like responding to emails very much on my watch because kind of a pain in the ass. But but I do. But if there's any HTML or a picture or some sort of image attached, it kind of messes up the entire email display on on my watch. Um, and and so I haven't like I haven't quite figured out how to make all of that work because sometimes. If I have my phone with me, I, I think I've shared with you, I've got the cellular version of the of the Apple Watch, mainly because when I when I run or bike, I don't want to have my phone with me. Um, and a, another really like good application of this was last week. Um, it, I mean, the OPSEC opportunity is over, but I went to the beach. Uh, that's in quotes. That's what we call it here in North Carolina. Um, not the shore, which is what I think you call it in, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But we we went to the beach. We went to Oak Island, which was a great, one wonderful place. Um, but I, I I don't want to take my phone on the beach. But I want a couple of things. I want to play music to a Bluetooth speaker. I want to um, you know have text messages if something urgent is happening. And I want to like every once in a while kind of delete some emails. And so I use my watch for that. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes my, like the cellular connects. I, I can't quite figure out what the right um, flow is for why it doesn't work all the time. I think part of it has to do with my email needs to log in with two-factor authentication to Google. And it doesn't always do that on my phone correctly. Anyway, going back to your point, Email is a text communication. <laughs> the more things that are not text in an email, the more it messes my watch up, and I and I can't deal with anything at that point. Like it, it essentially freezes the window. It's really hard to restart it. All of that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm with you. Like I I want email to be very text text and succinct. So because I'm looking at it on a like one inch by one inch screen, um, that's that's attached to my arm. Um, yeah. So I don't know where we, oh yeah. Dark mode. I'm going to try, I'm going to try that for a while. It's weird that sometimes my emails come in. Um, I, we, uh, so, um, my, we, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about going, going to the beach. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, my family's lovely, Don. Um, my family, my family is great. I've met them. They are, they are, they are my family and my, and my extended, my larger, my larger family, um, is lovely. Um, what is really interesting for me is that, um, and I don't know if you find this with your interactions with your, with your family or not. I, I'm, I don't know. Um, everyone wants to avoid any sort of food safety conversation, which I'm totally fine with. I don't. I'm, I'm. I don't need to talk about food safety. But the 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 secondary part of that is, if something food safety comes up that they're that they can't control, they they want to like push or 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 nudge like, oh, Ben's not going to like that we do this. Um, oh, let's let's hide this because the food safety police are here. And and mm. Donna, I want to share with you. I don't. I don't care. 
um, at, at all, but I get dragged into a very odd conversation. Um, and so like a food safety thing happened when we were cooking something and there wasn't a thermometer at the house. Well, there wasn't a digital tip sensitive thermometer at tip sensitive thermometer at the house that we were at. And I didn't have the foresight to pack one. There mm. was, however, a massive like turkey thermometer. Like, okay. like I'm holding my hands um, about shoulder width apart um, to, to demonstrate the length of the stem on, on oh this my. with, and, and, and I'm putting my, my um, now my hands together um, with my index finger and my thumbs touching each other, making a circle to demonstrate mm -hmm. the size of the, the dial on this Got thermometer. It. So Got just it. to give you context, wow. it, it, like a, a, a rudimentary tool, right? And bimetallic, bi right? Oh yeah, bimetallic, um, yeah. not not the greatest thermometer, but I we we grilled quite a bit of um, quite a few hamburgers because my family, we're at the beach, my family likes hamburgers. We're making hamburgers easy, it's quick. And I, so so on, on four occasions over a six day period, did I thus grill hamburgers? And then after the first, time I found this tool, um, I used it. And, and the, the comments that were given were like, oh, you don't need to use that on my hamburger. I'm like, oh, okay. That's, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I won't like it, but there was a very like odd conversation, like making a point, like I was doing the cooking and, and but then it, it led to like two or three other comments about how really just you know food safety is really overblown and it's not important and until and, you get sick but i but donna i i i you you know you know me my my food safety mantra is you do you i'm gonna do me i'm gonna yeah. take i'm gonna take care of what i would do cooking the things that i cook for my for my family and and if you if you don't if you don't want that that's cool I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to make a big deal about it, but it was yeah. like a, it was like a whole like baiting into a conversation. So, so anyway, I just, it was, it was the, yeah. Was it, I like to air some of my, you know, I know not a lot of people mm -hmm. um, in my family listen to this podcast, but I, mm -hmm. I feel like that, I don't know. Do you ever, do you ever encounter that with any of your acquaintances, family at all? And, and I, I'm sure this comes up for some of our listeners because Men, not not all, but a lot of our listeners are people that are in the food safety world, and they're probably the only person in their family who is in the food safety world. And I just want to be like, I don't know, recognize that there's these awkward, weird conversations sometimes that happen, and I'm I'm okay with it. But I I'm not like I'm not one to like force my food safety decisions on others very very purposefully. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of my stuff. You take care of your stuff. Yeah, well, and famously on this show, right? This show is not about telling people what to do. It's telling people how to think about food safety so they can make their own decisions, right? Um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to rack my brains for instances where I don't, the, the specific kind of situations that you're talking about are not situations that really have come up for me. I'm trying to think like the most recent food safety conversations I had with a larger 
group was really when my graduate students came over and we, we, Kristen made some food, but we also got barbecue and it came hot and the guy put it onto steam table in, into, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a disposable steam table with Sterno underneath. And, you know, he checked the temp, uh, he didn't check the temperature. I checked the temperature and I just wanted to make sure that it stayed hot. Um, you know, so that we didn't have preferential food poisoning. Right. You know, I joked yeah. to my graduate students, food safety professor gives students preferential food poisoning. Not a, not a, not a good headline. Not one I want to read. Right. Um, and it was fine. Right. Like, like I kept the food hot and then we got it cold and it was, it's all good. Um, but no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have those kind of conversations. Right. Because for the most part, my wife is, I'm probably the more, I'm more lax in food safety, I think, than my wife is, right? And my and my dad is, you know, he's just he's super weird about, <laughs> about foods. He doesn't eat leftovers. Um, he's very concerned. I wonder. Like, I didn't I didn't know this about him when I was growing up, and I've only since like heard when my my mom and maybe he's gotten different in his old age. But uh, my mom tells stories about things that my dad says about food and when they went somewhere and he wouldn't eat something and. I'm like, oh, maybe that's the way I turned out the way I right, am right. of him. Yeah. But I don't, but I don't remember, I don't remember him being super fastidious about food safety when I was growing up. But again, maybe that's just what I wasn't like listening. Maybe he was and I just wasn't listening for that. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have those kind of oh, I do, I do remember the one time, and I maybe I've told this before on the podcast. We were we went to we used to go to a campground with um in Hampshire with my wife's extended family, and we were doing um we were cooking chicken on the grill, and I did remember to bring my thermometer, but it was raining out and everybody was in a hurry, and I was being a pain in the ass about wanting to temp all of the pieces of chicken that people were cooking. Um, and I think they kind of rolled their eyes a little bit at me, but um but yeah, but that, that's the only example. And that was years ago. So I guess, yeah, maybe just for the most part, it doesn't come up. Yeah. 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 Well, that's anyway, like it, um, it for the most part doesn't come up, but it's, it's, I think part of it is we don't well, like just because of distance, we don't spend a whole lot of like meal cooking time with our, mm -hmm. with our family. So, so when it does come up, it, it's very like, Oh, you know, it's food safety, it's food safety time, right? It's food safety talk. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's odd, like, you know, um, growing up with both like, so, you know, Danny and I've been, um, like together for a long, long time, like since high school. So my, I've certainly like created a career niche that I didn't have when I first met her family. Right. And so that mm -hmm. I, I, that I think that might also be part of it. It's like, Oh, the, you know, you, you weren't an expert on food safety when you were 16. So, you know, why, why is it a big Makes deal? You think you are one now? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and there wasn't a problem when I was cooking hamburgers like 30 years ago with, for you. And now, now you're using a thermometer so like it's it's a it's a little bit of that mm. right right oh like, okay interesting yeah oh like I like I never gave you food poisoning yes yeah right right, right. Why, yeah why why you got to spoil things by wanting to be safe exactly yeah and and then kind of like hot like I don't know make I don't know, making a point about it in a weird in a weird kind of way yeah interesting so yeah, no I don't I don't yeah I'm, I I I after I'd be more attentive to that but no for the most part I think my family are like like pretty cool with what I do. And I, again, I try not to be a jerk about it. Right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, and I try not to be a jerk about it. I don't even bring it up. I don't oh, even, no, no. Like, I'm not yeah. saying it's you. I'm just no, saying no. I think yeah. your family, I think your family are a bunch of jerks. <laughs> wow. No, they just, they're, they, they've got their own, they got their own stuff going on. And you know, they're Canadians, so they should be polite. Right. It, right. It doesn't right. sound very polite to me, Ben. No, no. Well, we're, we're not, we're sometimes maybe not very polite to our own. Um, oh, maybe that's maybe that's what it is. Yeah, maybe that's you know maybe you here's a here's a theory. Let's check this out. So Canadians are so busy being polite that they run out of politeness when it's just their own family. Well, that Does that, that could sense? be it. Yes, yeah, that that's a entire like uh, entirely a possibility. Um, See now you could be you could be just saying that to be polite. <laughs> no, I I I think I I think we're onto something here. Okay. I think this is, yeah, like, I, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, you'll never know though. Uh, uh, so yeah, so we did, we did that. We were on vacation. It was, it was really nice. Um, it, like, oh, so uh, now that you, yeah. now you've gone and come back, you can compromise your OPSEC. So my wife said, where are they? And I'm like, well, Ben sent me a picture of his kids outside an aquarium. So I think they're probably somewhere near that. So you're somewhere on the coast of North Carolina, right? We were, we were, yeah. So we were in a in a community called Oak Island. Um, and I will send you um some some links to that. And then the the uh, picture that I sent you um was from the Fort Fisher Aquarium, which is mm -hmm. um right right on the the right on the coast um uh, right by right by fort fisher um and curie beach which is a um a, sort of a it's south south of wilmington um north north carolina uh where we were and we really enjoyed like our time this is our the first time that we had been to oak island we have friends who um vacation there a lot and uh gosh it was it was very relaxed until there's not a lot of, there's not like a um a boardwalk kind of like really commercial area um so yeah it, oh, it was sounds nice yeah it was really now, it was really good now speak speaking of oak island and speaking of canada have you have you ever been to oak island nova scotia i'm not but there i think there's a that's like a treasure treasure island there's like a documentary on this Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just when I Google Oak Island, that's the first thing that came up. And then there's a disambiguation page on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a um where is it? Oak Island Mystery. Here you go from oh, uh Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um Oak Island has been the subject of treasure hunters since the late 1700s with rumors that Captain Kidd's treasure was oh. buried there. Little yeah. evidence to support this. Um, but oh, yeah, we, we please who needs evidence, Ben? Yeah, the curse of Oak Island is a reality. TV show of a group of modern treasure hunters that uh, definitely my my kids have watched. So yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, I am familiar with it. I've not. Yeah, I've not been there. I have been to Mahone Bay, and I've been to. So if you look at uh, the picture on Wikipedia of where Oak Island is, I've been to Lunenburg and I've mm. been to Mahone Bay, but I've never mm. been to Oak Island. Um, wow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mahone Bay, uh, famously in my in my family. Uh, growing up was referred to as um hormone bay because my grandmother got the name oh, incorrect oh, oh. yeah and we were we were oh, traveling okay. there uh she said is today the day we're going to go to hormone bay which uh as a as a 13 year old child uh or you know preteen or teenager i thought that was the most hilarious thing um yeah so so we'd really we had a nice nice couple of weeks of uh of family visiting us 
Um, and then, uh, and then Don, we're, it's, it's a really odd summer for me because my kid, I think I told you this, my kids historically have been on year round school and now they're on both on, um, traditional school, which means they have a very long summer, well, traditional summer break, very long for them. So mm -hmm. we, we, we've been, um, you know, hanging out with family and traveling to the beach and the next couple of weeks we're we're here and um and and then we we go uh for uh a, a, some some mountain biking and rafting in West Virginia and then we go to Canada for 2 weeks in August and and so it's it like i my i'm i'm living this like great life through my kids right now because they are having this is like the first summer vacation that i remember them having like my summer vacation where the two of them are old enough that they just kind of get up we don't need to entertain them every day they're not going to camp they get up and hang out. And some days they go outside and do stuff. Sometimes <laughs> some days they don't. And, and I think they're really loving it. So I'm, I, and I'm today home with them. Um, because, uh, because Danny's working today and, and I have a, I have to take one of them to a birthday party this afternoon, but it's, it's kind of like really like summery and, and chill. Like they get up and they, they make their own food and, and hang out and do stuff. And, and no, at no point, uh, do they come in and say, I'm bored. I want you to do something. I want you to entertain me. Make and me, make me be not bored. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they, they've now reached a point where they, they, they're good. Um, they're on their, that's, yeah, they're on their own. That's, that's cool. And so, and, and is this, are they going to be in uh traditional school basically for the, I'm assuming you don't move or something. Yep. Is that, are they, are they basically in this, they're going to be in this mode at this from this point forward yeah yeah forever and they're they're or yeah until they're uh they, they will not go back to year round um sam has aged out of year round now um mm -hmm. and uh and so and they're both going to the same school um which which is a really this is the first time in six years that they will both be at the same school which is really nice because um it means one drop off and they can take the bus home or I can pick them up and it, it decomplicates our life uh, a lot. So mm -hmm. we're, we're very excited about, about this. It's uh yeah, it's good. It's, you know, the, the certain things get more complicated as your kids get older and certain things get less complicated. And, and we're at, I feel like the happy medium of a lot of less complicated things are happening now before some of the more complicated older things are 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 going to happen. So, well, yeah. So that's what's that's what's going on with with us. I saw um, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder with with the kids this weekend. It was it was really really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Did, um, you, did you see it in an IMAX or something? I saw it in just like a regular movie theater. We we got a thing. I might have told you. I think I told our friend Michelle. We, um, over the course of COVID, and maybe I did tell you this, but we we now will go to a movie theater at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning, which we would never have done before. Like it was always in a an evening event. And first of all, I want to be away from people as much as possible. Um, and like we saw Thor... The, we saw this movie there was two other people in the in the theater um and and it feels like you're in your own you know theater by yourself and we we it was it was great like i i really enjoyed that i don't want to be next to someone watching a, anything really so um yeah so that's what we did <laughs> wait so so 
when did where did you watch this well it was like at a it wasn't like an imax theater it was like a regular movie theater like okay, uh but you were around other people well only two and that were okay. like yeah there there's like maybe 200 seats in the theater and they were at the front on the left side and we were at the back on the right side oh wow yeah and and like we've found that we've now probably been to 10 movies over the last year where we go and at like a 10 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Saturday morning showing and no one goes and it's awesome. And we eat popcorn for breakfast. Like, <laughs> like how, how great is that, right? I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome. And then the day is, the day is young. You, you get out of there, it's 12 o'clock and you've already watched a movie um, and, uh, and done it in a, in a way where, where I feel it's, it's much lower risk than uh, than had I gone at seven o'clock on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of food safety things going on that I want to talk about. <laughs> what would you, would do you have? Do you have non food safety things that should, we should place oh, in this portion? No, let's go. Let's get it. Well, so the only the only non food safety thing I have is, and hopefully this will all be resolved. Um, I, I was trying to link to Merlin's amazing writing sensible email messages um, on 43 folders, and I can't get the site to come up on Safari, but it will work in Chrome. Um, oh. And I'm, I'm wondering if there's some, and it, it redirects to another website um, for me in, Chrome, in in Safari. And I'm just wondering if that's a my problem or if that's something else. It's, it's a, 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 a domain hosting problem, but I, 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 I just posted a query on the on the the good Slack, um, and hopefully I won't be people won't think I'm a total idiot and noob. Um, but anyway, so that's the only thing I wanted to talk about. But I, I, that's not that's not something you can help me with. No, no, that's a... oh, maybe you can you confirm? Yeah, you, oh. you have a you have a Safari browser up. I do. What am I googling? Um, For, Mer- just forty three folders dot com. Oh, just forty. Yeah, just type in forty three folders dot com. Uh, it's working. Okay. Oh wait, no, you're right. It it did work, and then it took me to North. Don't Maine. say it. Don't say it. We're not. We're not going to promote them because they're evil. Blah blah blah. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Taking me somewhere else. Um. Yeah. To enough. To, all right. So it's not just me. There is no. something wrong. There's something okay, wrong. Cool. There's some. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Um. Okay. Uh, stuff I want to talk about. Are you ready? There's I'm things. Ready. There's things in the folder. Um, I, I'm going to start with, um, I'm going to start with this. Hey, uh, there's a bunch of people are getting sick from cyclospora and no one knows what, what it is and where it's from. Did you, have you heard about I, I this? I believe that is, that is, uh, that is what we call Ben seasonal cyclospora from Florida. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. 84 cases. Of, this is from Canada. It is a quote uh-huh. non-travel related cyclospora infection. Um, uh, as of June thirtieth, eighty-four cases, British Columbia, most in Ontario, um, and and a few in Quebec. Um, foods imported to Canada with links to cyclospora include basil, cilantro, raspberries, blackberries, mescaline lettuce, snow and snap peas, prepackaged salad mix. Okay, so we've got that going on. Then. Oh gosh, Don! Around the same time, we've got um, CDC has sixty-one cases of cyclospora mystery outbreak. 
um, and uh, a bunch of people on the East Coast, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, um, you know, whatever. Uh, and uh, the, it, it, no one, they go, it goes back to May, but we don't know what's going on. So do you know well, what's going we, on? We know people are getting cyclospora. Yeah. But we know it's people interesting. are. Yeah. So um, I, I've not, I, I've not heard anything um, about this. I like, I, 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 what I will tell you that in this, uh, you know, just for, um, to protect the, the people that, that call us every once in a while. Um, I got a call from someone who, mm. who is in a, in a, the world of, of, of selling food who said, Hey, there's a cluster of these associated with us. Do you know anything? Cause we can't seem to find anything out. And I don't. Oh, wow. So what so Wait, so this was this so this so the CDC information CDC has this their website um uh last updated June 30th, right? That's yes. the one we're talking about. That's the one we're talking and, about. And this did this call from this anonymous person from the food industry come after it did. June 30th? It did, it did, it came. But did you say have you looked at this oh, CDC thing? They know that, but it oh, just okay. Yeah, yeah, but oh, they, they they're just looking for other yeah um, stuff that's flying under the radar. Yeah, and and I'm gonna relay. Th this is a message to our regulator listeners, and I know Don, Don, don't get don't get me started. There's lots of reasons why people can't share information, right? And and I don't need to hear about legislatively. Like if I hear the word, well, le legislatively we're not allowed to, or this is outside of our our area of of allowance, or it's not possible. We can't share any details. I I I understand that. That's not helpful. Because th this <laughs> that's that's not that's not a good it's not a good answer because it doesn't I understand your hands are tied, but there is not just this one company that contacted me or one person from a company. I'm sure there are other people that know because they've been talked to by local or state health officials saying we are investigating this, and then they want to do something. And they don't need, they don't need something official. They don't need the, the, the outbreak to be solved. They don't need the epidemiologist to sign off on it. But what would be very helpful for them is to get a sense of what people were looking towards so they could maybe help and aid with the investigation by, so for instance, and again, I not this, this very much is, is made up. Like this is not the, the conversation that, that came up. But if they said, you know, you're investigating a cluster of cyclospore illnesses associated with our business, and you are asking us if we have any information of people who ate there, but we have information about, gosh, we changed our supplier for our lettuce, or seasonally, things have moved for our product, and we know that. We would like to share that information with you, but if you could tell us a little bit more about what you're investigating, that would help us give you better information and and the what what I understand from the frustrated conversation about this is that that no I I can't tell you anything and no we can't accept any of your information right now because we're trying to get to the bottom of it from an epidemiological standpoint not from a functional change in the system standpoint and that's don it's just not helping right like I I don't know how to how to how to fix it at all, but it's it's not not having good communication is not helping. Yeah. 
So what would you, let, let's imagine, <laughs> let's yeah. imagine uh, like that Twitter thread we were on, um, <clears throat> you change jobs. Yes, yes. How to work for the FDA. And, and let's pretend that you can make a difference um, if you're appointed food safety czar. Which it's weird because I didn't quite, we can come back to that email in a minute but, or that tweet in a minute, but I thought that the position they were describing is the position that Frank Giannis has, I, um, but- It's not. But, okay. But yeah. what would you, what would you, if you were at FDA and you had power, which again, you know, maybe that maybe those two things are not possible. <laughs> You could maybe you can have one, not the other. Right. Um, what would you do? What, how would you what would you do differently? Well, what I would do is say, look, this is unofficial. Here's what we're looking here. Here's what we're looking at. And here's how if you knew some of this, that this might unlock some information that you have. Right. Like instead of saying, um, what what are you like? We can't talk about this or we can't share anything about this investigation because legislatively our, our hands are tied. I'd want to know just a little bit more information that says, okay, um, it appears that there's not a lot of like strong association, but the five types of foods that people have reported eating when they've come to your facility or restaurants are these, do you know anything about it? Like, do you know anything about any of these? Is there anything that you can think about differently? Because this isn't about, you know, th this outbreak is is about a commodity it's about a food right like if you've got right. 61 cases in in the us and another 70 cases in in canada it's not something that's happening at their restaurant right it's about right. some right. incoming ingredient so right so so give me what are the what are the eight things you're investigating right what are the 12 right. things give me right. give me something and and what i understand is no <laughs> i can't do that and and it feels dawn like as much as the world of food safety wants to be partners and collaborate and we're all in this together and it's non-competitive when when the door gets slammed of I can't tell you any of that I, it doesn't feel very much like someone wants to work together to find a solution and and that's right. that's um not very new era e <laughs> Or right. well, that's the old and, era, and, and 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 famously, you know, D Doug has blogged about this for years, and you you as well, saying, "Look, just tell us what you know." Yeah, right, exactly. Tell, tell us what you know when you know it. We understand that you you know you're going to give us twelve foods, and it's going to only be one of them eventually, right? Yep. yep. But show 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 your work in progress. Yeah. Right? Like, where's what's the what's the harm in that? Right, 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 right. Like, and like, figure out, figure out. Well, and and I understand. Like, I understand if if you, I, I understand the reason why if you're if you're drafting regulations, right, why you can't reveal that in progress work, right? But this is not that. This is an investigation, right? We should again, yeah. To your point, we should all be working together, and part of that is sharing. Yeah, I, I yeah, and I. Don't even get me started. I had a recent interaction with a regulatory agency, which was went something like, "Oh, what you guys are doing is really interesting. There, we would love to be a part of that." And then all of that eventually turned into, "Well, we'll share with you the work that we've already published in the peer review literature, and you can ask us any questions." Right. Like, well, 
Thanks. Okay. Thanks for that. We could, I could already do that. I didn't really need your help to do that. Um, you know, and so that's not really, that's not, <laughs> here's the thing. That's not what collaboration looks like. Right. That, right? That, exactly. Yeah. And I, in, in another venue, um, it, we, we've had some really interesting conversations um, around recall modernization. So um, I, I've shared a little bit with you on, on this, but we, I've been part of this working group um, that Stop, the, uh, Stop Foodborne Illnesses Alliances um, uh, has, has been um, really driving. And we've had re really, really phenomenal conversations with some federal regulators about just sharing real, like, here's a problem, right? Like that, that we've got, um, let, let's look across and I'll, I'll give you just one of these. Um, we have two federal regulators in the U S that, that'll, you know, be part of the recall world. And then one in Canada, um, at CFIA. And one example that, a a member of the working group provided to, to both the federal agencies here is, is the same product was classified as three different classes of recall by each different agency. Ooh. Right. So, so the, the, so that, that, okay. That's interesting academically. Okay. How did we get that? I don't, but functionally, if it's a class one recall, there are different actions that a retailer takes versus a class two versus a class three with their own internal um, standard operating procedures that are in line with the best practices that those federal agencies put together. And so, you know, what do you, what do you do if it's, if, if one federal agency says it's class two and one says it's class one, are you, you know, how do you, how do you handle it? Um, and, and, and that those agencies don't, don't, and then the third federal agency in a different country does something different. Um, anyway. Right. Well, so, and that's, and that's fascinating, right? Right. Like, let's, let's, let's use this as a case study to figure out how you ended up with these different things. Right. Because right, there, right. there must have been a process, a logical process. But let's figure out why you why three agencies came to three different conclusions. Right. Right. Exactly. And then what do we what what do we do about it? Right. Like what? Yeah. Yeah. Like what? what's well, yeah, there's two. So when, whenever there's a problem like this, I, I always like to break it down into two two things. Right. <laughs> it's, always, it's always two things, two with, things with Merlin. Yeah. Not with Merlin. Yeah. Um, but. Like, how do we understand what just happened, right? Yeah, yeah. And then how do we fix it going forward? And 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 you got. To, I think you have to do the one first. Yes. Right. And we, you might not ever do the sec the second, but at least let's figure out what happened, right? Where did where did things go go wrong? And then if we understand where things went wrong, that might help us to build a system in the future where that that at least that thing does that same thing doesn't go wrong again. Right. Right. Yeah. Ab absolutely. And so so like the. Anyway, the the recall conversation's been really like really good. What what made me think about that is um, a couple, and I, again, I won't. I, I don't. I, I kind of want to protect the conversations and the candidates, but um, in the in the conversations, um, the some of the stuff that we've heard has been, hey, we know we've got our hands tied on some legislative things, but let's not worry about that right now. Let's figure out what the best way to do this is, and and let us work on that. Uh, ourselves, which is the opposite of what I hear 
from my my friend who called me about this cyclospora thing, which isn't, right. hey, um, I know we really can't share all the information of what we're looking at here, but to give you a sense, here are here are some of the areas that we think that there might be something worth investigating. Is there anything else that you can share with us? Mm, mm-hmm. So I think that's what I'd want, right? Like that's how I would want to handle handle this. Um, it is more, and and I'd like. I feel really lucky here in my situation in the state of North Carolina, where I I feel that the, there are the right people in decision-making positions within the state, within um, the both the departments of health and departments of agriculture, the folks that are doing investigations of, of outbreaks, epidemiology, that to get like three people together on the phone here and be like, what are you guys all looking at here? And what can you share? I feel like th- that would be doable. Um, that that there's a much more trusting relationship. And and I'll really like point to um something that our our state has put like, and this again, this is FDA has has supported this, but but FDA has um funded and the these uh Food Safety and Defense Task Force forces um, across the the country, and um, it, ours, I think, works really well because everybody sees each other on a fairly regular basis and knows who who to call. And there's a level of trust and comfort, right? Like you're not right. you're not gonna like screw me on this. You're not gonna take this information that I'm that I'm sharing. You're, we are literally literally collaborating on trying to figure out what you know what what's happening here um and 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 maybe you know some stuff that I don't know and 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 I know some stuff that you don't know and we should probably talk a little bit about it but nothing's official right like this isn't coming right. out in a report but it's let's start this conversation because this might unearth something that we're not like we're not independently being able to look at and this is where the industry member, reached out to me, was like, I feel totally in the dark because I can't get anybody to tell me anything. And so, so this person calls me and is like, do you know anything? Like they might talk to you because they, yeah. for, for whatever reason, they're not talking to me. Like, have, has anybody reached out to you about this? And I, unfortunately I was like, no, I, I don't know anything about it. Um, and, and then I, you know, utilized the cyclospora bat phone and texted around a little bit. Um, and, and, and found that no one seems to know anything about this seems really, really tight lit. Um, mm-hmm. or, or there isn't maybe much to know, right? Like I, I, but, but whatever, like there, there's just not a lot of like the, the frustration that I got from the industry person was I can't even get anybody to return my call about this. And, and we know that we're a cluster. So w- w- like, maybe we can be part of cracking this, this problem. So anyway. And do you and do you know is this is this is this outbreak still ongoing? I believe so, right? Like, okay. and so the so the the U.S. cases, um, there's not, is there's not a, is there not an outbreak curve? Well, so what's weird is I got the okay. Let me find this. We've got the Canadian cases, right? And then the U.S. cases, um, let's news, um. Look at food poisoning journal. Well, I'll send you the, the you know, one of Marler's blogs, right? 
Right. So he's got something that looks certainly like a CDC, you know, thing, but I can't find this on CDC's website. Mm -hmm. Did you find anything on CDC's website? Uh, all I found is oh, uh, I found it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you got never mind. Domestically acquired cases, cyclosporas, yep. May June. But, but yeah. there, but there isn't. I don't think I can't see the. What I want to see is the shape of the, uh, the outbreak curve. curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Doesn't have it. Right. It just says, yeah. um, first May. Yeah, May first, and then as of June twenty eighth, sixty one cases. They've give the range. Um. The median illness onset date is May 31st. So it sounds like it seems to be we're on the on the latter end, right? Like we've gone now through June, if that's the median. Yeah. <sighs> well, and it, it would, yeah, we should look at, well, and past years are maybe not a perfect example, but right we, for sure we do seem to have a seasonal cyclospora yeah we, we seem to have seasonal cyclospora in this country because we've had it for several years in a row now yeah something's going on and something is going on yeah um but anyway so like i, I so my my soapbox message is let's be more collaborative and let's share more information because no one's going to be out there screwing you and and i know that that's like empty words because i don't you know, because I'm here and I'm talking about it on a podcast. Um, but it, if we really wanted to to try and like be collaborative and fix things, I think we need to think about it in a different way. <sighs> yeah. Well, and and I, yeah, and it'd be good. It'd be very good to get Michelle's take on all of this because I know she's been, you know, FDA has been kind of after Florida because of cyclospora and groundwater, and um, you know, anyway, it sounds like maybe people are just mad at each other yeah yeah oh i'm by the way i'm texting someone um who's not you all of these links and his <laughs> response was oh geez uh i guess he this is not even someone in food safety so i guess now i've i've, I've concerned him about mystery outbreaks he's also an individual who you, is well paranoid about like lots of risks so now i, I may have to uh um well, do some damage control yeah, well, you've you've texted me. You've texted me the food safety news article. You've texted me going public. You've texted Twice. me North Carolina yeah. task force, and then you texted me about going public. Uh, yeah. Well, and then and then yeah. Was so, there anything anyway. else you meant to share? Oh, uh, who knows? Yep. Um, I'm sending you more things now. There you go. Okay. There's the the food poisoning journal one, which uh, you already have the CDC one. So we'll put all those in links. Um, in shout outs. Uh, okay. So all right. There's one thing. That was on my list. Mm -hmm. are, you, are you ready for the next? This one yes. is a little. Um, well, okay. Let's go um, here to. Um, uh, are you are you familiar with um, uh, freeze dried blueberries? Um, recently, I'm familiar <laughs> with blueberries. I'm familiar with freeze drying. Have um, fleas dried blueberries been in the news, Ben? They they have. There's a oh, there's red. A, I have not seen this. So okay, so this is I don't know enough. You're you're the, our resident actual food scientist. I I just like <laughs> pretend to know a bunch you, of stuff. You play one on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I as I've gotten further into my career, Don, I've introduced myself to so many things. Um, <laughs> like uh, you know. I uh, trained as a molecular biologist, kind of done some microbiology. I know things about food safety. I, at no point in my storyteller, 
Ben Chapman, storyteller. Yeah, yeah. Well, and at no point would I say I'm a food scientist or a food technologist because I'm I'm right. really not. I because you're not. You don't you don't yeah. you don't have those degrees in your background. Yes. No, no. And and I I'm 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 food science adjacent in so many ways. So anyway, we yes, re- yes in, in literally so many ways. <laughs> yes, yes. You're not in the food science department at no. North Carolina State University, but you are, you know, and you're not immediately adjacent. I think the building is some ways away. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, yeah, it would be, uh, <laughs> yes. So anyway, I saw this. The reason why this came um, on my radar is and I, I think we talked a little bit about this at at um, at Afto because it came up in our live podcast that we recorded with just again shout out to Afto for the greatest recording like technical like wave file uncompressed recording of anything that we've ever done good AV um, support so so good great audio quality in that podcast someone asked us about freeze drying and the the risks associated with it and it is like. Don, I've, I, over the last two weeks, I've received numerous questions about the safety of freeze drying in retail settings, including an Ooh. invite yeah, from FDA to come talk at a regional FDA meeting about freeze drying um, risks. And, cool. and so, so what, you know, I, and I, I, I feel like I don't think there are, right? Like, I mean, water activity, well, here- right? So well here here's the here's the thing right freeze drying is actually a method that we use for preserving bacteria yeah, right yeah. and so um when you when you and I'll, it, I, since you're not a food scientist Ben nor nor a food technologist um I will let me explain it to you please do as I see it and then you yes. can you can chime in um so freezing will kill s- like uh, some degree of the bacteria that you have in a food, right? So if you put, and we we actually recently discovered this because we've been doing some interesting work with salmonella and lag phase and, and trying to induce lag phase in already growing salmonella. And we discovered that if you freeze them, they die. <clears throat> so that's not a good, that, that's a, sort of an infinite lag phase. Um, but, uh, but so freezing can, can kill bacteria if you have, you know, if you have, if you have them in a food, but it's not a reliable way of killing bacteria. Right. Um, so, if, so let's imagine you have some f- food and you put, and it has, and that food has bacteria, either pathogens or spoilage organisms, or just natural microflora, you freeze it, a certain percentage of those bacteria are going to die, but it's not going to become sterile. And then you dry it by putting it in a freeze dryer. Uh, and then basically all you do then is you just, you, it's uh, the, the process, Ben, um, I'm, I'm sure you, you know, you don't know any of this. <laughs> no, this is good. Because you can't, can't Google stuff. It's called sublimation, right? And, and, and when, when something, and Sublime, in addition to being a, a pretty cool band, is also uh, a chemical process. And so what happens in, in freeze dried foods is the the water sublimes goes from a frozen state to a vapor state without ever passing through the um liquid state and then that that water uh is whisked away by the freeze drying process and so you end up with something that is that is very cold and very dry 
And it is a wonderful way, like I said, of preserving any bacteria that might be present in that system. And so basically freeze-dried food, and we talked about this a little bit on the risky or not about uh, backpacking food, right? Um, and I may, I may, I did somebody from Backpacker Magazine did reach out about another topic. And so hopefully I'll be able to work with them on a story. They haven't got back to me, but again, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting off track, but basically um, anything that's in the food when it's freeze-dried will be there in the food when it's uh, reconstituted. And so it's, it, it is, it's not a risky process, but it's not a, it's not a inactivation process either. Right. Right. Yeah. So like um, what's, what goes in stays in, right? Like, I mean, that's the, that's right. the, too goes, long, yes, what goes in stays in. Yeah. Like the, too long didn't read um, uh, <laughs> of the, of the explanation. Right. So pathogens there, it's going to get freeze-dried preserved. If, and, and here's one, if lead is there, it's going to get freeze-dried oh, um, yeah. within it. Right. And so, so this one's really interesting to me because the nuance of a couple of the questions that I've got have been, well, is lead now a risk for freeze drying? It's like, no, no lead's a risk no, for growing lead's berries. a risk for food. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> like if I've got ber berries, um, you know, that, that, that have lead contamination, freeze drying, it's not going to get rid of the lead. And so here's the interesting part. Um, I'm just going to read from the Brandstorm recall, um, you know, uh, 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 press release. Um, the concern was identified during testing. An investigation was conducted by the packing site. The original heavy metal reports received for the crop year showed no presence of lead and or cause for batch, batch testing. After further investigation, it was found that the product's country of origin is Lithuania and aggressive monitoring of heavy metals may be deemed necessary. I, what does that mean, right? Like, does that mean that Lithuania has... A elevated levels of lead in soil that that all products from Lithuania need, need to be looked for this. Um, it, it's not about the freeze drying, right? Like it's, but but the fact that the quote original heavy metal reports received for the crop year showed no presence of lead or cause for batch testing. I don't even know what that means. Like, what, well, what is, what's your talk? What's your thought on that? Well, I got I got a, I got a couple of thoughts. Um, First of all, uh, if you Google, if you search for Wikipedia for freeze drying, um, uh, instant freeze redirects here. But for the Batman episode, see <laughs> a different Wikipedia article. Okay. Um, if you Google Lithuania heavy metal, what do you think you oh, find, Ben? You get some awesome, uh, some really, really good stuff, I bet. Yes, you get you get some some heavy metal uh, category called Lithuanian heavy metal music groups. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously it's it's a it's a poorly written press release, right? So yeah, what I want to know is like what's going on from a regulatory perspective in Lithuania, right? Is it is it just that Lithuanian the Lithuanian berry industry is lax? Is it that? the situation in Lithuania is such that we need to be worried about lead. Is there something about agriculture in Lithuania that means that, you know, maybe there's lead in the groundwater? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I totally, I totally don't know. I found a, um, a assessment of heavy, heavy metal contamination and spatial distribution and surface and subsurface sediment layers in the Northern part of Lake 
Babracus. I don't know if that's helpful at all. And just that's what came up when I Googled Lithuania and lead. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going like what's going on. Anyway, what I guess what I do want to um, highlight is um, it's not because of freeze drying that this lead right. is popping up, right? Like that was the, right. th that was the connection. It's like, oh, people are asking lots of questions about freeze drying, freeze dried berries, le lead. There's nothing about freeze drying that's in, that's putting lead into these berries. They, they, they had, the, you know, they had lead in them before. Right. What, go, what goes in stays in. Um, Okay. So there, so blueberries, got it. That was on my list. Yep. You know what, what's next on my list, Don? I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping it's going to be this mystery ingredient. No, no, no we're getting okay. there. I got two other things we're getting there. Okay. Before then. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, Don, right now I want to talk to you about Skittles. <laughs> oh yes. I do want to talk about Skittles too. Yeah. Okay. So, so, um, uh, I just, uh, linked to a, uh, CNET article, which is where I first learned of, this like concern um about oh but it's not this one this one's from today anyway um a, a couple of days ago i read something and seen out about a lawsuit uh about skittles and so a california lawsuit says that mars didn't warn consumers of the health problems associated with the use of titanium dioxide in skittles um your favorite rainbow colored candy might be quote unfit for human consumption the california lawsuit alleges Again, as an aside, Don, um, uh, people can to file lawsuits uh, for anything, whether they win or not, is is really the 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 most important part uh, of this. Um, and so, uh, yeah, California man suing Mars, um, claiming titanium dioxide in the candy should not be consumed by humans. Um, titanium dioxide, according to Science Alert, is a white coloring agent. Uh, FDA says it's safe to consume, but limits how much can be used in a product to 1% of a food's weight. Um, California resident says Mars has long known about its health problems and failed to warn consumers about the potential harms. I got, so all of this, Don, I got like four media inquiries over the last couple really? of days about this. And hmm. I've, I've hunted them to a hmm. colleague who's in um, food science, uh, who is a food scientist and food technologist, who does a lot of work on ingredients. Um, his name's Keith Harris, he's great. He actually has a podcast as well um that i'll that we'll we'll link to i can't quite remember the the name of it um but it's a food science podcast um and i i, I don't know i think there's don i think there's nothing here like i think there's a lawsuit um i think fda uh limits are are pretty well established i my guess is that very much mars is under those limits and someone's upset about that that there's any a uh, limit for titanium dioxide and so they filed a lawsuit and well yeah you know the one the one angle where i think that they might have some grounds is california prop 65 oh yeah right? for sure because yes. because what it says is that um yeah the um uh, the lawsuit alleges this is a fraud of omission under California law, and it might be, right? Yeah. If you go to California, the first thing you see when you get off the airplane is a warning that uh, jet fuel um, it causes cancer, right? right? If you go into a Starbucks in California, you see a placard indicating that coffee uh, causes cancer, 
right? Um, and so, <laughs> again, thanks to California Prop 65, and you know, God bless California, right? They they do a lot of really good things, a lot of really progressive things. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that Prop 65 is is necessarily all that helpful. It's informing people that you know, um, lots of things can give you cancer. Um, but but uh, if you are selling Skittles in California, I think you might you might need to tell people that. Yeah, I get I get that. You know, I, yes. I don't know. Um, but, but the let me let me tell you what the like the questions that I got, and this this is going to lead into mm -hmm. our next topic. By the way, mm -hmm. um, let me. I will. Um, oh, I have deleted them. Um, base, basically. You know, one of my favorite like new journalist questions is: Should people be concerned that Skittles are toxic? That was essentially the the question that I that I got, and my quick answer was: So, so, no. so Ben, Ben, we've two 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 points, uh, and I apologize if I've raised these with you before. Okay, um, first of all, it's very confusing that. Keith Harris's webpage, it says his name is Gabriel Harris. True. Okay? Yes. That is the same person, right? Same thing. And, same person. And much more importantly, if you have any ability to communicate with Dr. Harris at all. Oh, I know. I wait. You, can I tell you? Can I tell you what I would you say? please tell him? <laughs> okay. Aspect ratio yes, of a picture. Tell me what I'm going to say, Ben. Aspect ratio of a picture. Aspect ratio. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I got gotcha. you. Yep. Um, I will, I, I think I have mentioned it. I will re-mention it. Um, so if he yeah. sends me the image, Ben, I'll fix it for him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, got it. I'll help him. I'll walk him through it. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, we've got that. Um, Don, are you, are you concerned with, uh, the, that, uh, your Skittles are, are making you sick that that's the, uh, skin, well, like, let, let me phrase that in in for our other podcast, which I we won't do here, but Skittles, mm. risky or not, right? Like that's the question that I got. And okay. it was like we not risky. We we yeah. well, we should for num number one, we should add that to the sheet because that okay. would be a yes. great thing to talk about while it's in the news right now, right? True, true. Um also, um, I, how did you how did you describe how did you describe Skittles? I think you described Skittles as my favorite rainbow colored candy. That's what it um, says in the CNET I, article. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. It Skittles are not my favorite rainbow flavored candy. Okay. Oh. I've never really liked Skittles. I will eat them on occasion and I, I find them, you know, occasionally enjoyable. My favorite rainbow flavored candy is M&M's, oh. which is also made by the M&M Mars company. Well, I wonder um, if they've got... Uh... What was it? Titanium dioxide in them? Probably not, um, no. because I think there's something about these um, bright white colors. Bright, because uh, admittedly, the the colors on Skittles are quite bright. Um, yes, and, and the color on M and M's uh, is less so, right? So I, it may be something unique to Skittles. Right, right. Yes, it, absolutely. That would be my guess. Yeah, it is. So here's here's the other thing that I learned from uh, Google, um, uh, that according to the Guardian, the which is um, known as uh, right on their website, um, news website of the year. Um, okay. <laughs> titanium they are, dioxide. They're pretty good. They keep trying to get me to subscribe. I feel guilty every time I don't. But yeah. Yeah. Well, um, titanium dioxide 
is um, being phased out uh, in in the EU. Oh, yeah, because yeah. of uh, cancer, cancering things. Yep. Yep. So, yep. And the EU is famously more conservative about things that cause cancer than than the United States, and so that and that's fine. I mean, it's it's a and again, it's a risk management decision we've talked about, right? Right. 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 So, okay. So Skittles, um, we'll, we'll revisit this on risky or not, but thanks. Thanks for that. Okay. So here, here's, uh, don't worry. We've got, um, I have three more topics that I want to talk to you about today. Whoa. (laughs) One of them. So you get to pick. Okay. Um, okay. We can do them all right. Oh, we will. But I want to know where you want to go next. Okay. Uh, Okay. One Terra protein, which is your, your mystery protein that you want to talk about. Um, two big Olaf, um, three, um, is COVID lurking in your freezer? Uh, where, where, oh boy. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's, let's do, let's do Terra freezer Olaf. Okay. Terra freezer Olaf. Got it. Um, okay. So as <laughs> it's probably a location, Terra freezer <laughs> Olaf. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What three words? Let's look at this. Um, Tara. Come on, come on. You're going to beat me to this, aren't you? Oh, little cookies. Tara. No. Did you get it? Not yet. It's making me click through a bunch of things, like my first time here. Tara. Um, What was the second one you wanted to do? Tara. Freeze. Freezer. Olaf. No address found. Damn. Oh. That sucks. So that's 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 unfortunate. Uh, Probably Olaf ready. is not a word mm. that they don't they don't use. Mm. So. Yeah, well, whatever. Um okay. So let's talk about let's talk about Terra. Um so there's a uh da- daily harvest has some new information on their website, like breaking, breaking news as of today. Well, yesterday, um, let's look at, let me find this. Um, I'll scroll down. How, come on. How easy. Why, why is it? Why, why can't, why can't you just take us directly to what I want to, what I want? Um, I had a link to this. Sorry for for those who are um, not who are who are listening and waiting for us. Anyway, I'll find it. But essentially, Daily Harvest says they've worked with a bunch of people, toxicologists. They have identified, or in old barf blog parlance, fingered Terra as the um, Terra protein that they added only to their leek and lentil crumble as the issue they don't know what it is in the terra protein we did talk about this in the last episode but now they're coming out with this information um and so what what are your what are your thoughts on this um well i think it's good that we found what it is right yeah um that's that's good uh i think marler's coming for him yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I, again, it's, it's, it's good that we finally figured it out, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I, I, do you? So, what's your sense of the messaging that Daily Harvest has done on this? Do you think it's? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's good. Yeah, it would have been great to, um, uh, to actually see it on their, uh, on their website. I had to go to their, um, to their Instagram. So oh, really, yeah, Ooh, just that's not well, good. well, no, I think it's on their website. I just couldn't find it. I found it on Instagram quicker. And so okay. It's, it's okay. People use the the Instagram too. We'll link to that. So they posted yesterday an update about our French lentil and leek crumbles investigation, a message from our founder and CEO, Rachel Drury. <clears throat> Hi, it's Rachel. I started Daily Harvest in 2015 with a mission, blah, blah, blah. It's a privilege to create a better food system. At this time, and let's get to the good stuff. At this time, we have identified Terra Flower as the cause of the issue. Our extensive investigation has involved many experts analyzing data from all sources. We have only used this ingredient in French lentil and leek crumbles, and we are no longer sourcing from this producer who does not provide any ingredients from our for our 140-plus other items. This is the first and only time we've used Terra Flower. It has been available and used in the North American market um, prior to this use. Our investigation team will continue working with FDA, Terra Flower producer, and others to help determine specifically what made people sick. I appreciate the trust. Um, want to personally apologize. Anyone with additional questions should contact us. Um, for all the um, uh, latest information, look look to the link in our bio, and I will go to the bio. And they do have a link that goes to their website, which is is nicer than their uh, Instagram. Yeah, um, and I, I will I will say if you go to daily-harvest.com. Uh, and just the main page, there's a header across the top that says click for this for a link and it takes you right to Rachel's blog. Post. Oh, I missed that. Like I was, you know, Don, you know why? It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a small. Banner. No, uh, let me tell you why. Dark mode because it's oh, black dark mode. and yeah. it looks like it's part of my, my toolbar of, of <laughs> other things that are open. Dark mode right here is making it's, it's rearing its ugly head. Um, so, um, yeah, daily harvest. There it is. I see it now. Um, and I, so, and I wonder though, I mean, so this is, this is confined to one daily harvest product, yes. but I've got to think this company is selling to more than daily harvest. And, and, you know, I mean, daily harvest is probably going to get caught up in this, but the Terra supplier, yep. I, if I was them, I would be really worried. Yeah. Who is it? Right. I want to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could, I see that I can get it from lots of different places on the internet. Yeah. Well, and and what and again, we still don't know. We know that that that's what caused this particular situation. Um, what we don't know is why, because I'm sure that Terra flour is in a lot of things, and a lot of people have probably eaten Terra flour safely. So, what was it about this particular batch or this particular supplier? I gotta think that maybe it wasn't the again. I, I still come down to like not the right kind of terra flower right yeah you know or or some or protein protein yeah. or or some right like some 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 change in the in the protein processing um yep. or, or some some contaminant um see you know not lead because it's this doesn't really match the symptoms of lead exposure and, and poisoning but but see our last conversation about 
um, about berries, uh, blueberries and freeze-dried blueberries. So maybe there's there's either something with the processing or some contaminant. But I want so so now I'll 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 channel Meyer Marler because I'm sure he's saying who is your Terra supplier, um, and where who else are they selling to, and are they selling to what was the other? There were some smoothies, right? That we that we mm -hmm. also smoothie Terra protein. Uh, recall revive revive superfoods right because they oh, interesting here's here's some updated information don abc mm -hmm. news 7 says um on the same day the daily start harvest announced terra flowers ingredient another company says it's removed a smoothie for sale on its website because it also contains terra so mm -hmm. yep revive might think about um let's find that revive oh gosh so there you go i think we've i think we're we're seeing so who else so here okay let let me go back to um the the conversation i had about cyclospora right mm -hmm. if you were a buyer of terra protein and you were following the world of food safety right you might want to reach out to your Terra protein supplier today and be like, hey, um, are you the same one that's supplying Daily Harvest? Yep. That Terra protein supplier may not want to tell you that. I kind of feel like I would want to ask maybe some investigating authorities to say, just heads up, we also have Terra protein. Can you give us any information about who's being investigated on this so we could maybe make a better decision and my guess on is that the the, re, the regulator is going to say no i can't share that because of legislative problems because i don't have the ability to share that information with you that's shouldn't, frustrating to me should, shouldn't this be captured in the reportable food registry i thought that's what this was that was for yeah but i think we're ahead of that right like okay. daily harvest we're, we're too um we're too far um, we're, we're ahead of it. The industry's like we, we daily harvest makes this announcement. We, we don't have anything from FDA today about, about Terra protein. Mm -hmm. So it, it should be, but if I wanted to know today to remove it, I don't have a way to do that. Well, do you, unless it's, I mean, I'm, so the, the, whoever supply did, does daily harvest name their supplier? They do not see does revive name their supplier, right? Nope. Yeah. So they should, right? Shouldn't they? they? Someone I mean, should. So it's an it's it's not it's not like we're not gonna find out, as Marler would say, right? It's all gonna come out in discovery. Someone but here's the thing. I think people are worried about um defamation or whatever. Is that the right term? Well, right? Yeah, it yeah, but but here's the thing. Like we know for a fact that we bought this ingredient from this company. Yep. Yep. And there's probably a way to write it in the press release. Yes. Yeah. It, like. Yeah. It, the, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, The, the right. Like there's maybe a way and, and, but but if they have decided they don't want to share who it is, and then Revive doesn't want to share, I can't. If I'm a again, go back to my 
you know, my, my, my concern about information sharing, I'm buying Terra powder, protein, whatever for my product. I can't, I could call my supplier. They don't need to tell me. Um, but I can't call FDA to be like, Hey, are these the ones that you're investigating? Right. That sucks. And, and, and why is that legislative hands are tied legislatively? My hands are tied or whatever. Can't share that information right now. Yeah, but again, like again, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, isn't, isn't daily harvest compelled now? Yeah, I wish, I wish I knew more about how the reportable food registry worked. Yeah. Right. But it should be in there. I think they should be like, um, let's read this. The reportable food registry is an electronic portal for industry to report when there's a reasonable probability that an article or food will cause serious health consequences. The registry helps FDA protect public health. Um, so here's how you submit a report. Here's the dashboard. There's no, there's public data. I can't go in here and like search for it, right? Like I, uh, yeah, there's nothing. I don't know if I can even do it. Like, I don't know. Do you see anything? Well, there's the dashboard. Yeah, but I click on it. There's nothing there. Yeah. Let me click on the data set, but that's not, that's not really going to give us, that's giving me historical data. Right. FDA data dashboard. Here it is. Access the data dashboard. Yeah. It's, it's only through 2020. Yeah. Compliance inspections, imports, recalls. I don't see anything yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't should, see it. Right. Yeah, this should be. Yeah, okay. This should be real time. So you're right. Right. So okay. So let let's say this works. Right. If it's if it works the way it's supposed to, as far as I think, I as an industry member should be able to go into the reportable food registry and look up whether there's like someone's reported that that uh, Terra proteins uh, a problem and it's causing a bunch of illnesses. Yeah. And if some if somebody from FDA who understands how the reportable food registry works is listening to this uh, and they can, you know, maybe even a retired FDA person. Um, yeah. You know, in their in their copious free time when they're not setting up working on Halloween, um, if they can let us know, I would really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK. Because I don't so, know if you know, there's been Halloween is a big holiday amongst retired FDA people that we know. Right. No, I'm I'm I've I've heard that, um, and uh, I've seen I've I've even seen uh, uh, you've you know, seen evidence. Yeah, I've seen evidence of this. Um, okay, so there's Tara. Let's go. Let's go freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, so this I, and you know I, I I'd like to you know I'd like to publicly commend you when when you do good really good things. Mm. Um, and uh, last, thank you. Last, you're you're welcome. Um, last week I was uh, I was at the beach. I was on vacation. All I had was my my Apple Watch, and uh, I got a little I got a little Twitter Twitter thing on my Apple Watch, and I saw something something pretty awesome um, that I that I tweeted uh, that was a thread by you, and uh, the thread was um, my my quote tweet was Doctor Don doing awesome Doctor Don things on this thread. And uh, this this goes to the topic of freezer. So there was um, 
a uh, a report in Food Safety News, and in fact, this this was brought to our attention by a couple of different folks. But I'll I'll call out our friend um, at Nora Nerd, Veronica Bryant, uh, Food Safety News um, uh, a story that uh, that highlighted seven outbreaks and 689 cases um, of um, COVID linked to um, food packaging. Um, and the, again, I, you know, her, her comment to us was, okay, friends need help with this one. It's causing some chaos this Monday morning. And she's, she's a, a state regulator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I responded with a couple of things, uh, packaging fomite, And, but then, then you, you've got a really nice, um, thread that I want you to, to kind of walk through that goes into even more nuances, um, uh, uh, about this. So. So go you you go you you go ahead and talk about Don the question that I got yesterday from a local news place um, is COVID lurking in your freezer and should you be concerned? Is COVID lurking in your freezer? Maybe should you be concerned? Probably not. Yes. Um, yes. And again, I I because um, Twitter is really hard to search um i cannot easily find my thread oh i'll send it to you i'm looking Um, right at it all right well thank you and it was yeah one of those things thank you it was one of those things that um you know you do in the moment and it didn't put too much time so yeah so so basically uh veronica i say i'll send you a response in a minute that lays out why this is not uh, so unexpected. So, uh, and and again, all props to the anonymous public health official who briefed myself and um, Byron Chavez, that bald professor on Twitter on the topic uh, some time ago. So we've got uh, some conditions going on in China, right? Um, at least until recently, low circulation of the virus. So it's pretty easy to spot when a uh, COVID outbreak happens in China. Um Again, the Chinese vaccine is unfortunately not nearly as effective as our vaccines. And so uh, even if people are vaccinated, it's not, it's not a super great vaccine. Um, also, China has an amazing ability to just pour people and resources at a problem. And so they have lots of public health people um, and they can, they can chase. So, so outbreaks are easier to see and they have the resources to basically chase them you know, back to their point. Um, what China has discovered through this work is they have often been able to trace these outbreaks to a dead end case, uh, a dead end index case, which is a dock worker or somebody who might handle, um, food that's being imported into the country. Uh, again, because China can just throw resources at a problem, they can look at packages and they can find, uh, the virus, uh, the whole genome sequences they find on the package matches the people who are sick in the outbreak. And so they also know that the virus sequence that they find is a unique one. It's not currently circulating in China. So it's not like that dock worker got exposed from something else. Um, And so again, it's not foodborne per se. It's just a food packaging related index case with all of the rest of the cases being caused by traditional COVID-19. So, so it's not, so it's basically it's not 700 cases. It's yes, it's 700 cases linked to packaging materials, but it's seven outbreaks. And so it's really seven people that got sick from packaging 
And then those seven people went on to make another 700 minus seven people sick by traditional COVID routes. And so, uh, you know, and CDC, again, you say, Ben, in your tweet, packaging's a fomite and, and CDC, again, does say that's less than one in one, one in 10,000. And they, they back that up with some research, some, some references, which is, which is good. And then we've, since we have got more resources, even um, uh, published since, since the CDC put their webpage up with some work that's done by um, um, the guy at Emory, whose name I'm blanking on, uh, Leon. Oh, uh, uh, Juan Leon. Juan Leon. Juan Leon. Yeah, Juan Leon. Um, uh, and Leanne Jacobs, and they've done some good work there, and, and they've got some really nice um, uh, infographics and, and other stuff on that topic. So, yeah. 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 No, this is, this, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100% in the conversation that I had with the local, the, the local uh, news here um, yesterday. Uh, they, they, um, they said, uh, are you concerned? I'm like, I'm, I'm really not. This isn't something that is um, really new to, to, to me, you know, as, as, as I said, right. you know, like this is something that we've been talking about really since the start of, um, of the pandemic about um, could virus, um, you know, viable virus find itself onto um, packaging? Yes. Is it a likely route of transmission? No. And so I really continue to come back to the same message of, yes, it's it's there. Could it be in my freezer? Maybe. What's the biggest risk to me when I think about like, um, free, you know, freezers? It's not COVID. I'm more concerned about the other pathogens that might be there on the packaging in the um in the food that could be cross contaminated within my kitchen um and then it, am i worried about freezer food as a source of foodborne illness not sorry of, of covid no i'm much more concerned about being around other people see my comment about going to a movie theater at 10:30 in the morning um yeah. i think that's i think that's more like more risk than you know the the fact that it might be on this packaging um uh, and just yeah. re in related news there's an article that just came out in aem yes Applied in environmental microbiology persistence of coronavirus surrogates on meat and fish products during long-term storage uh the senior author is mark sobsey who again in in uh, in the world of connections is a faculty member at university of north carolina at chapel hill also the aforementioned leanne jacobs's phd advisor um and 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 again I, I this came across my desk from a couple of different ways um including a wonderfully understated text or email message from uh my friend and colleague marcel zwietering from university of wagenen uh he says regarding this paper and he links to it I am not convinced of sufficient nuance in the abstract and in, in, the, in the, he quotes from the abstract, quote, a significant and concerning finding, close quote, that viruses are not, and this is no back to Marcel, that viruses are not inactivated in a freezer is not a finding. And to call this concerning is quite stirring things up and making people afraid of things that are not relevant, except in a fully COVID free country. Bis, bit disappointing for me for AEM, but like pathogens, they sometimes get through all our immune barriers. <laughs> so, right. Yes. Good. 
I didn't I didn't ask Marcel's permission uh, to read that, but um, so apologies. But he's it's just so if, if you know him at all, he's just wonderfully Dutch and understated and uh, just yeah, just just nicely, nicely done there. Uh, Marcel. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so um, I guess a, a couple of things on, uh, you know, on, on this paper. Similarly, I think the answer for me is the same kind of same kind of thing um this the you know finding it on on me you know and, and in fact i was asked a little bit about this paper in the interview that i did last night where they're like well how would you know SARS-CoV-2 get on me and it's like well there's a lot of people that have SARS-CoV-2 and there's a lot of people that you know handle food and whether it's in a grocery store at a restaurant in a meat processing plant on a farm if if people are are shedding the virus, it doesn't surprise me that it ends up in, you know, on, on the meat, um, at all. It do, do, does it change how I handle meat? No, not at no. all. Not, yeah. not once one. So one little, and, and I'm not a, I'm, I'm going to text you something from this paper that I think is really, um, interesting. And, and it's not something that I usually highlight Dawn, but, um, it is that funding for that study came from Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, yeah. which I don't know what that is, and the WHO. Oh. And the WHO well, I, famously has talked about, you know, we we've we we had our um our friend and, and colleague um uh Peter on the Peter uh Van, Van uh gosh Ben Ben Amberic to talk about um this at a on a webinar. WHO, and it's referred to in the introduction here, um has uh, let me let me read um uh the role of contaminated foods as sources of SARS-CoV-2 has been suggested because of the possible emergence of the pandemic in a food market in Wuhan other reports particularly in China um have attributed outbreaks to contaminated food um and uh that you know definitely we know that there was a um group of WHO folks who went to China and and Sort of said, yeah, we we see, um, you know, potentially that the food chain or supply chain could be a, a source uh, for this. And so, anyway, I just thought it was uh, like I, I'm not familiar with WHO funding a lot of um, virology work, so that it just caught my well, eye. And and we 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 should ask more questions, perhaps about the level of funding. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, just Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Um, these guys have been around since 1985, um, and they come up from time to time. I will read to you from the Wikipedia page. Uh, they are a nonprofit research and advocacy organization based in Washington, D.C., which promotes a plant-based diet, preventive medicine, and alternatives to animal research. So oh. they're a bit they're a bit controversial amongst scientists especially scientists that work in uh, the meat <laughs> meat yeah. processing and meat area they definitely have an agenda yeah um they they absolutely you know they they, they have an agenda which is you know i think that, that there's a lot of people that that you know that don't that don't respect what they do let's just let's just leave it at that that that's i mean they say they're a non-profit research well non-profit research and advocacy organization uh, mostly i think he heavily on the ad advocacy so they're they're really all about getting people to not eat meat basically yeah 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 well and and, and so again to, to fund research that shows that the virus survives on um you know meat 
uh, or meat packaging is is certainly you know um, interesting. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we could probably show that uh, coronavirus surrogates would persist on um, frozen vegetables too, right? And that would that would probably upset. Our colleagues right. in the frozen right. vegetable processing industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's no, there's nothing. Yeah, and again, and nothing, nothing against the authors here. No, none of them, I believe, are food scientists and and don't have connections to the food industry, right? Which, again, you know, like, yeah. So to the extent that you and I have connections with the food industry, we're you could say we're tainted, right? And we don't want to say bad things about the food industry, but we say bad things about the food industry all the time. All the, all the time. But, but, yeah. but we, what we don't want to say is that they're helping to spread COVID because it's just simply not true. Right, right. right? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, this is a respiratory virus. Yeah, yeah. And, and, bottom line. and it's not, not born. Yeah. And, the, but this is like what's, what, what, I, what is nice about this paper is it helps to build the, understanding around this pathogen, right? Like this is something that you and I and um, Michelle Daniluk and Byron Chavez, we've talked about quite a bit in our Food Kobe Net project about just like, you know, building a data repository from all of the studies that are happening in our project and the other funded projects for the USDA's rapid response to coronavirus call is gonna only help us in the future talk about what the real risks are and what the risk reduction steps need to be. Um, and so, so it's okay that this kind of work gets done. It's good. Right. Like, well, let's build a, but, yeah. But uh, to, to Marcel's point, um, this is neither a finding nor is it concerning, right. nor, nor is it, nor is it necessarily significant. Right. Right. Fair. <laughs> oh, so Agreed. the only two words we would agree with in that phrase are a and and. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, well, and and there would be data there uh, that is yes, not and there, and there are yeah. there are data, and I try I trust these are, folks are good virologists, and so I trust that it's good data. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just not sure it's particularly helpful. Yeah. No, I it, you know I mean you know it, it's again you know it's yeah it's uh, it's as Marcel says it's stirring things up a bit. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Let's go to. Um, let's go to Olaf. Let's go to big, big Olaf. Okay. So, yeah. So Ben, if this was a podcast where we would curse, I would say they are effed. Oh, they're totally effed. Right. So I, here, here's the great, the, I'm a, let's link to a couple of things. Number one, yeah. let's link to, um, a, a blog post that, that our friend, um, Bill Marler put up over the weekend. Um, that Bill, Bill did such a great, like, I don't know. I, I, just such a great job of blogging. He he took a picture of the big Olaf um, uh, logo. He photoshopped rudimentary big <laughs> Olaf in jail and said, "Is big Olaf heading to jail?" Um, so I won't go into the I details. Think, ben, I think big Olaf is a fictional character. Well, I don't. I don't think big Olaf is heading to jail. But I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. Should should people in the company head to jail? I don't know. But they are definitely effed. Yeah. So how about this? Um, he links, and we'll link to these, I think, directly into our show notes. He links to um, a Dropbox where he has obtained the actual Listeria results and samples um, for both environmental sampling and um, product sampling that shows 
that um, when investigators went into the big Olaf um, sample or um, production facility and took product that 17 out of or 16 out of 17 products tested positive for listeria monocytogenes, not for listeria, but for the actual pathogen. And that there were um, a, a 10 environmental samples that were positive. Like this, this, and, and there's a, like, there's a lot of listeria going on here. Big Olaf has, since we talked in the last episode where they were pretty much on the offensive, they've been pretty quiet. Yep. Um, they, they have not had any, um, updates to their Facebook page. They have not had any updates to their Instagram page. I've been looking on a pretty, uh, regular basis, um, to see what do we got here? Um, the, uh, there was a bunch of news, um, that came out on this over the weekend. And, and I mean, I just tweeted just like, that's a lot, right? Like this is, this is. Surprisingly, I didn't even know what what else to say, Don. Like, I mean, I I just said 16 out of 17 ice cream samples testing positive for listeria is really something. I can't remember seeing anything quite like this. Like it, right? Like it's it's right. It, it's yeah, 16, 16 of 17 is a is a lot. And and what I what I wish they had done is I wish they had enumerated and they didn't, right? right? I, I I kind of wish FDA would go in and do a um uh what's the texas outbreak um bluebell bluebell yeah i yeah. wish fda would go in and do an intensive bluebell style sampling on big olaf ice cream because i've got to think that these are again it it it, it does it does not surprise me i mean it, it's a little surprising it's 16 out of 17 but given the size of the outbreak and given the people that were sick it's not that surprising, right? I kind of, I would have been more surprised if they didn't find it in the product, right? But what I would really like to know is what are the doses in the product? Right, right. right. I've got to, th- and again, Florida didn't, I mean, it's a, again, this is, Listeria is not a, a low dose pathogen. You have to have a lot there to cause illness just because you found it in 16 of 17. I, and I believe it's 25 gram samples. So that's, you know, 20 testing, 25 grams, finding it in 16 of 17. Again, all these different flavors of ice cream. Um, you know, I, I really want a really intensive sampling to find out the kind of levels in the ice cream. But again, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the levels were quite high. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, they're effed. Yeah, 22, um, no, tw- uh, 23 cases now, 22 hospitalizations, yep. a death, a miscarriage, uh, and just just a just a terrible outbreak. Um, and again, like just terrible communication and offensive messaging um early, early on and now now silence. Um the uh the the other thing that it that came up on this i'll we'll link to this in show notes um is something i just sent you don two big olaf mm-hmm. stores they're not even big olaf anymore now they're just blue pineapple <laughs> they're selling different ice cream <laughs> right change the name get out um yeah the re- rebranded stores are located in the former big olaf storefronts and this is we couldn't figure this out in our discussion last time it seems yeah. like these are not big olaf corporate entities they're like big olaf affiliates and so they're leaving their affiliation and now continuing to sell ice cream. Um, yeah, well, gosh. It's, 
It's probably yeah. like Ben and Jerry's, right? Yeah. Like I can have a Ben and Jerry scoop shop. I don't actually make ice cream. I just buy it from Ben and Jerry's. Or if Ben and Jerry's were suddenly to cause a tragedy like this, which I don't think they will because they probably got food safety locked down, um, uh, then I could take my scoop shop that was selling Ben and Jerry's and I could start selling blue pineapple, right? Right, right. Um, oh man, um, the, this is a this is a bad it's a bad one. These, I mean, who knows if Big Olaf's going to jail? Pretty unlikely. Maybe he's going to fictional jail. Um, but the, the the people that that are involved in this, I I really, I I I. I this is the type of outbreak that I want to know more about what was happening, who knew what, what was their food safety culture like? Was this, you know, oh, uh, like, uh, can I, can I predict? Yeah, it's bad, right? F food, food safety culture is non-existent. Well, um, it's existent. It's just again, bad. Yeah. Well, it's just a bad food safety culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a good food safety culture is non-existent. Um, yeah, I think this is uh this is again, these are people that probably well, and again, you know, like like let's let's try to let's try to have some compassion for big Olaf here, right? I mean, we've got compassion for the victims, but so this is a small small regional company. Um, they probably didn't know what they were doing in terms of food safety. They probably weren't, you know, they there's nobody if you search the IAFP membership database, <laughs> there's no big Olaf, you're yeah. not gonna find anybody, right? They, they were, I mean, you know, they probably weren't, they probably were kind of clean and ish and sanitary ish, but it's making food, making food safe is not easy. Right. And if you think, oh, ice cream, you know, I'm going to use pasteurized milk and, you know, it's, we freeze it. So we don't have issues with spoilage, but you know, listeria is a crafty, it's a crafty bugger, right? It's uh you know, it's going to get in there. And uh, yeah, I, I want I want to learn so much more about what was going on in, in this in this facility. I mean, you know, Ben, if you and I had walked in and I'm not a listeria expert or an ice cream expert, um, I wonder what it would have looked like if we would have walked in. It might have it might have looked just fine. Right, right. Right. And but, yes. but that's why you do testing. Right. That's why you do zone testing. Yeah. And that's why you're. So, like why you have a food safety program, why someone like yeah. why, why you do a cleaning and sanitizing, like finding it in 16 and 17 products positive with it, even without the enumeration tells me that there's like a, a, a like a persistence problem, right? This is, it's there within the system. It maybe it's in their filling machine that it was really hard to clean. Like if go back to Bluebell, right? Like really hard to clean and sanitize. So they just didn't do it. And here's the the peril of that is that um, you 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 now have listeria in all of your products all the time, and and you just oh, so it's so so wild, and, yeah, and and probably probably a somewhat of a perfect storm kind of thing. Like they probably they've been probably putting out product with low levels of listeria for a long time. Maybe somebody went on vacation. Maybe somebody forgot to clean the the thing one day right it, it, you know there's probably yeah it's probably been bad for a while but again somehow like the perfect storm came because again you know people have been eating this ice cream for however long they've been eating the ice cream and then but all of a sudden now we see this sort of spike in cases um and it's a significant spike right and there might still be more to come um and, and again my guess would be it was kind of a perfect storm of things just all of a sudden going wrong again like i said maybe somebody went on vacation 
Um, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, tough. Yeah. Tough. Well, and you could see it from the outbreak curve, right? Like uh, one case in January, two case, one case in February, a case in May. Um, now September, we've got two. October, we've got one. November, we've got one. And then January. So maybe, maybe somebody was on. Yeah, somebody was on holiday, Christmas holiday, you know, and it's, it's cold out. They're probably not selling a lot of ice cream. Although in Florida, you probably always eat ice cream, right? Then, but all of a sudden three people, three people in January, people in February, three in March, four in April, and then again, and then tailing off. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh man. There, yeah, there's lots, lots of stuff going on. I, I, I have taken to going to Reddit now to look at mm -hmm. um, discussions in subreddits on stuff just to see if I can find more things, right? Like that's not being reported. Um, and, you know, there's nothing, you know, nothing great. Um, th there's, you know, so the and I, there's something here. Um, from and I'll we'll link to this and it's in the um Sarasota subreddit. Um and um mm. uh okay, stupid question is quote Yoder's ice cream the same or completely different? I know Big Olaf is owned by Dennis Yoder. I just want to make sure mm. the big thing of ice cream in our freezer is fine. And then there's you know a discussion. Yeah, totally different brand. Uh Yoder's is well. Oh gosh, Yoder's is genuinely high quality ice cream. Unlike the tourist trap, Big Olaf's BS is. Um, but anyway, there's like there, there's just all these different discussions going on that I think is really if I'm in the world of managing an outbreak, I want to go to Reddit too to see what other people are talking about. Um, in in those yeah. in the you know in these areas because there's you know there's stuff that's that uh, that that gets talked about on on the Reddit um oh gosh um okay so that was all the stuff i had on my list i didn't mm -hmm. even i didn't even look in the in the um in our in our dropbox was there anything else that you wanted to talk about today oh no you hit you hit all the things that were top of mind for me i should i should probably go look and i mean i you know here's the thing ben i put stuff in the dropbox yeah but i'm not good at looking in the dropbox no me either you've been so great about driving all these days um yeah, no, I, there's a there's a annoying person who blogs about food who had an update a, a update on the daily harvest that was sent to us by one of our listeners who's I am not a fan of their work. Um, they had many previous posts saying, "Oh, it doesn't look like food poisoning." No, right, right, no kidding. Um, no, it's just it's all it's. Um, yeah, well, you know, we have we do have some. Oh, you know what? I would like to close with this. This is a nice one. Ben. Um, so this is some feedback. Uh, re remember that we gave somebody some advice about leftovers at their wedding. Yes. Yes. At their right. upcoming wedding. Yes. Um, and so this is an update from that person. I'm checking in to provide you with an update on our recently completed nuptials during which our guests enjoyed a delicious meal and some delicious leftovers. Shortly after we got your thorough and expert advice, we had tastings with two different caterers. Thanks to your advice, we ignored the doubts of our wedding planner and just asked both of the caterers directly if they would let us take any leftover food at the end of the night. One of them flat out refused without really providing an articulate explanation. Yeah, no kidding. But the main, their main sticking point was liability. We 
even explained it. We had consulted with food safety experts and asked why they were fine with us taking leftovers home, but not from the tasting, but not the wedding. Their explanation was that the tasting food was made fresh to order and wedding guests get made well in advance and, and sits around the kitchen all day before being served. So it's in worse shape by the end of the night, which, which honestly was not a great sales pitch. No, did not help. Yes. Fortunately, it didn't matter because the other caterer responded with an enthusiastic, heck yes, you can take the leftovers. We hate food waste and we'll provide takeout boxes to your guests to pack things up. We have a winner. That's just, that's my bell. There's no bell in the email. Um, uh, everything went smoothly and we got to enjoy our delicious food. A second time we ended up with next to no food tossed out at the end of the event. Live free or die, baby. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your specific advice, but even more so for all the work you do and for generally making us more knowledgeable and safer in our kitchens. The newly married Gabby and her husband, Angela, who actually who is actually the one that first discovered your podcasts? Um, ben, we're not sure where your shoes come from, but we saw it, and we but we saw it when we were visiting the area for our tasting and had thoughts of you. And it's a picture of a place called Super Shoes. It could be that that's where my shoes came from. It's entirely possible. Um, yeah. Oh, so that's anyway, good. Anyway, thanks, thanks to Gabby and Angelo for just sending such a lovely thank you note. And I'm really glad you didn't get sick. And I, I stand by our advice, but you know, things still happen. So I'm really glad you didn't get sick. Yeah. And, and good, yeah, good, good job all around by the, by the caterer to, to, uh, to manage it correctly. So good. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well, I think, I mean, I think that's a show we, uh, all right. we're, we're, we've, we're winding down to the end here. So I'm, I'm just going to do the awkward, uh, sign off that we, that we normally do. And, um, bye. Bye. Nice. Um, oh, so thanks again for shifting time. I appreciate oh, it. No worries. It worked. So the there was like a Danny's working today and I got to take Sam to a birthday party. And and at one point, the information that we had was the birthday party started at two. And, and now it's been updated. It's at four. It doesn't really matter. But this helped anyway, because it made it so I have, was able to spread my day out.
um, a little bit. So. Well, I don't, I don't even remember when we were originally scheduled to go. I think it was noon until two. And then I was going to have to get okay, in the car. Right. And, and, that, and that, that actually worked. Yeah. That actually worked out well for me. Cause I've got, I'm double booked at two. Oh, um, well, and so that would have been, I'm, I can't go to both the things. I would have just gone to one, but, um, but it, it meant that I, now I have a break to actually have some lunch or as, or as I call it now, breakfast, first right. meal, first meal of the day. Oh, we, I had some right before we, we started, I had some really nice breakfast tacos, um, that I, that I made for my, my, my brunch. Um, okay. So we are recording another one uh, of these actually two weeks from today at IAFP or no, I guess it's two weeks from yesterday, Monday. Monday. Yes. Sorry. I don't even have my days right. Um, so, um, should that just be our, our next one? And then we look at something the week after. Yeah. I mean, there's always a possibility that it goes bad. Yeah. And we don't have one to put out, but, but I, but that would know, be, whatever. yeah. I'm, but if we I'm did live with that. the eighth or ninth or 10th, how does that look for you? And I say eighth or ninth, 10th, would have to be in the morning and I would it'd be early because we're leaving for Canada that afternoon. But I could do that's fine. Um I, I could do I could do the eighth in the morning or I could do the ninth in the um early after early afternoon. Okay, the eighth in the morning. Mm, let's do the ninth early afternoon, you say? Yeah. Perfect. One o'clock? Yep. Let's do that. There we go. That's perfect. Yeah. So that gives us this week, like, and then I'm going to Canada for two weeks. So that'll work out good. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So if we got the ninth done, I'll be back on the 25th. Ooh, but that's gonna we're gonna have a challenge for I guess we might do want to risk you're not that same week. Yeah, we'll have to do because when well, yeah, let's look at that. We're doing risky or not tomorrow. Is that right? So I could do risky or not next week too. Like I'm around all right. So yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm teaching a better process to school, but right. Um I could we could do something in the morning. We've got oh, you know what? We've got two scheduled already. We've oh, got two. Yep. No. Yeah. Well, is it? Oh, wait. No, that's wrong. I'm looking at last week. We have this week scheduled for Thursday at 9 a.m. Yeah. And then nothing. Yeah. I looked at the 14th, which is last week. We, yeah. Um, but I could do. So, well, well oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Um, we could do like the 26th. And, and actually, we could do the 4th. I think I'm going to be back that evening, like Thursday the 4th. We could do Friday the 5th for Risky or Not. Like the, those are easier to squeeze in because we could do an hour and get a couple nailed off. Yeah. So if we, let me, let me see. Let's pull up the Risky or Not. How far do we need yeah. to go on that? So if we do one, two, three, four, five, six, if we do six, the next time we record, that will take us through Monday, August 8th. Okay. And then we need to do like another six. 
Um, I'm a mess. Yeah. I'll do, let me do this. Yeah, if we do, so we need another six after the, or no, we need eight to do between then, because I'm not real like, I'm really back on the 25th. So if we, our goal is to get us to August 26th. Okay. So what if we did this? Well, we could, we could also, we could also, the podcast could also go on vacation. I we mean, could, but we, we could also have to put one out. Wow. Well, but we want to, um, what if we looked at, um, what, uh, what does, like the morning of August 5th look like for you? I'm I'm free all morning. Right. Um all right. Well, I um I've got lab meeting, but I can move that to the afternoon. Okay, or um, would you rather do afternoon? I've got I could do anytime after 2:30 as well. I've got um I've, nominally i've got a four o'clock thing okay um, so let me let me move let me move the lab meeting to the afternoon um let me move that to three o'clock oh all right let's do let's do friday morning okay like nine until 11 kind of thing sure okay um so that would give us What did we figure that gives we're right now we're good until so if we do six, one, two, three, four, okay. So that would get us to um like August 22nd. What if we did another chunk on say August, Tuesday, August 9th? We just did food safety talk in the afternoon, but do you want to do like an hour risking it on in the morning? When are you back? Uh, I am back the evening of August 24th. So I could record on the 25th in the morning. Well, you know what we could also try to do is we could also, so if we do, if we do, we have two recordings scheduled, right? If we if we try to squeeze seven episodes, yeah, then then the, otherwise we could just take we could just yeah. we could you know we could we could take a week off in August at the end of August if we need to. Okay, all right. Well, we got two recorded. Yeah, if we squeeze in seven, then we're then we're good. Yeah. Okay, that works. So, thanks for dealing with my my schedule. Oh no, good good for you for going on vacation. Yeah. I'm always happy to support people in their efforts to take vacation. I I'm looking forward. This one will be good because we don't have to host anybody. So it's like I'm the I'm the hostee. I'm being hosted. Yeah. Um. So it's a little more low key. Uh. Cool. Oh, okay. Well, I will uh, edit this one up this afternoon. And uh, yeah, I don't think. I mean, the last one I posted was like early last week, so I think I can get this one up today. Cool. Cool. All right. I'll talk to you later.
Bye. Bye.